Welcome to Epiphany Brooklyn's podcast. I am Brandon Watts, lead pastor here at Epiph. Thanks so much for tuning in. Our desire is to join Jesus in his mission to redeem our city. May God bless you as you listen and consider subscribing so that you can tune in each week. Grace and peace. Well, I'm excited to be here with you all today, worshiping Jesus. Let's keep that praise this entire, the rest of this service. Because how many know we serve a God that's worthy of it? No, he's worthy of more. What we gave him was bare minimum. Y'all remember that, that, that scripture that says, I'll get even more undignified than this? Well, it is Mother's Day. Happy Mother's Day to all the mothers that are in the room. The way they say it in Harlem is they take the TH out and put the V there. So happy Mother's Day to all the mothers that are in the room. It is, it is good to worship Jesus with you today. Um, I also want to acknowledge that I understand and recognize how complex this day is for some people. There are some of you that are in this room that um, you lost your mom, you know, too soon. Maybe over the last year, last Mother's Day, you were able to celebrate Mother's Day. And that was the last Mother's Day that you had with mom. And for some of you, you know, maybe you you have your mom still alive, but you grew up and there was a lot of dysfunction. You haven't talked to mom in a long time. We're actually going to talk about that today. So maybe there were some issues and that relationship needs some repairing and restoration. Or maybe you, you wish that you could be a mom and the, the Lord hasn't opened up that door and is, it is causing um, anxiety and different emotions that you feel. I, I realize that that all comes, you know, together on a, a Sunday like today on Mother's Day. You know, even though we are celebrating moms and I think we should do so, I think we should also acknowledge that it is a complex Sunday for so many people. Here's what I know, though. We serve a God that is able to meet all of us on whatever, whatever issue you have, whatever you coming in here with today. We serve a God that's able to meet us on so many levels. And I'm, I'm just grateful uh, to be able to worship Jesus with you today. Just do, do me a favor. Look at somebody and just say you look nice today. I, I like to do that every now and then. I, you know, the, the Bible says outdo one another with showing honor. Look at somebody else and just say, you look nice today. Amen. Well, it, it is my responsibility to preach the word of God. Do me a favor. Everybody grab your Bibles, your devices, whatever it is that contains the word of the Lord and get to Philippians chapter four. We in the book of Philippians. Once you get to Philippians I feel my help over here. You know, they used to say, you brought your amens with you, mama. Thank you for coming today. Chelsea, is this your mother? My Lord, this is Chelsea. Can we thank God for Chelsea's mother being in? Mama, it's good to have you here. It's good to have you here. Philippians chapter four. Hey, real quick. Uh, I'm excited about Bible study, not this Wednesday, but the next Wednesday. And I think sometimes, you know, because we, we do fourth Wednesday prayer and Bible studies and for the most part, the, the, the bloodline of our community is small groups. And um, so we only get together once. We only get to gather once a month in terms of Bible study. This Bible study is unique and it's special. Sometimes we have to block off just to, you know, kind of get two sections um, so that we're all, you know, together. But I, I just, I don't want to block off this, this Wednesday, maybe a little bit, not this Wednesday, next Wednesday, maybe a little bit. I just want, I really want everybody to be, um, to show up and be here because we're, you know, we've started a sermon series uh, called Created for Relationships, the Messy, the Tension, and the Truth. And we've been trying to, at least last week, we tried to get really, really um, 
clear and practical on what, what the scriptures say. Let me just be clear about that. Not my opinion, but what the scriptures say. Um, we try to get really practical about what that looked like. And I realize so many of you have so many different questions. And I think you still probably will have questions from this week and maybe the week after as we talk about marriage and singleness and dating and friendships and relational tension and restoration. Last week, we talked about sex and sexuality. Um, and so on fourth Wednesday night, we're going to actually make that in conjunction. That night is going to be in conjunction with the overall sermon series. So you'll be able to come in and ask questions, uh, not just about sex and sexuality, about anything that's uh, related to relationships. And I got some dope guests. I can't, I can't lay them out today, but I got some dope guests that will be here. Uh, we'll do a panel style. So, the, you know, we'll, we'll have some seats up there, up here. We'll have people kind of weighing in, not just people, but practitioners and um, people who are professionals and um, relationship coaches and therapists that can really like weigh in on some uh, really important topics. In fact, this Sunday, I was going to clarify uh, some questions that arose this week. I, I, I didn't get all of the questions, but some of the questions that arose this week, I was going to actually clarify them on sex and sexuality. But then I looked around the room and I saw mama. And I said, this is probably not the week for me to go deep. You know, last week I was a little risky, so this week I'm, I'm actually not gonna I'm not gonna address uh, some of the questions that I have. Uh, if I'm honest, some of the questions actually were a bit concerning, and um, I just wanted I wanted to just clarify and bring us all together. Um, and so I'll do that possibly next week, but definitely on the 24th, which is our fourth Wednesday night prayer Bible study. Is that all right? All right, let's get into the Word of God. Philippians chapter four is where we're gonna hang out. Happy Mother's Day, as I said to all of the mothers. My, my mother-in-law was here in the first service. My grandmother-in-law was here in the first service. My mother might be watching. She's in Virginia right now. So happy Mother's Day to my mother and uh, happy Mother's Day to uh, my wife, Ty, looking like a good sauteed stream bean. A good sauteed stream bean. Got the juices dripping off the... Woo! Let me get in a word before I get in trouble. Bless God. All right. <laughs> All right. Uh, Philippians chapter four. We're just going to do two verses today. And I think there's a lot in Paul's words in these two verses that we can get out of it. Uh, verse one says, I entreat, uh, verse two says, I entreat Euodia and I entreat Syntyche to agree in the Lord. Yes, I ask you also, true companions, help these women who have labored side by side with me in the gospel together with Clement. And the rest of my fellow workers whose names are in the book of life. We'll stop there today. I'm going to preach today from the topic entitled Relational Tension and Restoration. Somebody say relational tension and restoration. Before we get, I'm going to pray, but you know, one of the things I notice about relational tension and restoration is most of us in the room are really, really good at the relational tension piece, especially if, you know, we, we subscribe to cancel culture, you know, or silent treatment. We're really good with the relational tension, but I've found out that many of us need practical tools on restoration. How do we repair that relationship? And I know this about y'all. I feel like I'm preaching already. I know this about y'all or about us, not y'all, about us. Many, 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 many of us in the room find it just much more comfortable to walk away from the situation than actually deal with it. And can I say to you, it's, it's not healthy, but it's not only not healthy, it's not biblical. But it's not only not biblical, it's not gospel-centered. But it's not only not gospel-centered, it's not how Jesus did. He actually engaged. Let me pray. Father, I pray for the room. These, these 
these folks, these bombers, these bombers didn't come to hear me. They didn't come to hear my thoughts. Father, I'm fickle in thought. Nobody came to hear my opinion. My opinion doesn't matter. Nobody came to hear my suggestions and me wax eloquent or parse Greek. That's, Lord, we came in here to hear from you and you alone. So, Father, speak to us. Speak to our hearts and speak to our minds and speak to our emotions and speak to our situations. I thank you, oh God, that your word is so powerful that it can go out and it can hit 20 different people in this room in 20 different ways. And your word tells us that it will not return void. And so, Father, as we come in this room, would you speak? I thank you, oh God, that when we look at scripture, one of the things we find is you speaking. So, Father... Breathe on us today. It's in the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Relational tension and restoration. Uh, when I read scripture, one of the things I notice is at least three prominent relationships. There's, there's three dominant relationships that you'll see in scripture. And uh, one of them is the relationship between God and man. Not just one of them. That's the most important relationship, but it is also the first relationship. The first relationship that you see in Scripture is not Adam and Eve. The first relationship you see in Scripture is Adam, Eve, and God. God has a relationship uh, with man, and unfortunately, that relationship has uh, been distorted and has, has um, hit, hit honestly, a, a lot of strife and tension. Do you realize that the moment that you're born, you're born with beef with God? This is why David will have to say in Psalm 51, I was born in sin and in iniquity that, that my mother conceived me. That doesn't mean David's mother and, and father was in the back of a pickup truck at the creep spot. That simply means that when I was born, I automatically was considered a sinner, and I'm not a sinner because I actually sinned. Although I do sin, I am a sinner because it's a part of my nature. It was over before it started. And so the moment I was born, I was born with beef. So there is, there is tension between God and man. Now, here's the thing about those three relationships. That's the first one. All of them have the potential to have tension, and all of them have the potential to be restored. And so even though Adam and Eve, you know, Adam had such a relationship with the Lord that the Bible says that him and God used to walk in the cool of the day. I have no clue what that is like. But think about the uninterrupted fellowship that God was able to have with 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 uh, with with Adam, where God would would come down from off his throne and come down to earth and just begin to walk. And Adam was able to walk with God, but that got messed up because of sin. Genesis chapter 3 happens. And Genesis chapter 3, from Genesis 3 all the way to the end of Revelation, all you see happening over and over and over again is us trying to get back to Genesis 1 and Genesis 2. We sacrifice animals. We fasting. We praying. We seeking a savior. We heard that a Messiah is coming and we are waiting and we are waiting and the Messiah comes and some people are still waiting and waiting. And so we're all the rest of scripture is all trying to get back to this redemptive relationship that we had with God the Father in Genesis 1 and 2. It's the first relationship that we see in scripture. Scripture that has tension, but also has the potential for those of you who trusted in Jesus to be restored is God and man. The second relationship, Caleb, is actually man and man. So Genesis 3, when the relationship between God and man was fractured, do you know that the relationship between us 
was fractured, which is why the moment when Adam and Eve fell, the Bible says that God uh, started to ask a series of questions, which by the way, when God asks a question, he's never looking for the answer. He's trying to expose to you the answer. So, so God had to say the first question that's in the scriptures is, where are you? He says, well, I hid because, you know, when you were walking in the cool day, I hid because I'm naked. And God is like, well, who told you that you're naked? But how do you, how do you know the? And then he asked him, did you eat of the tree? Do you know Adam's response was the woman you gave me? So there was a distortion in the relationship between Adam and Eve. And I believe that that's a good litmus test for the room. There's a distortion in the relationship between man and man. That's why you can't get along with your friends. That's why your coworkers get on your nerves. That's why we have marital issues. It is because it is normal to have tension in relationships. First relationship that is distorted is the relationship between God and man. The second relationship that is distorted is between man and man. Do you realize in one, in one day, within a relationship between your friends or your spouse or your, in one day, you can experience a range of emotions? Y'all know what I'm talking about? You can have joy, tension, delight, frustration, all in the same day. And if you're married, many of us had that this morning. I need a married couple to say, yeah, I feel that sometimes. And so that's the second relationship that is distorted. The third, I'm not going to talk about today because we're going to deal with it next week as we talk about marriage. But the third relationship that's prominent in scripture is the covenant of marriage. Now, what I want you to do just for a second, I don't know how you take notes. I see some of you brought your actual, your actual journals. I know some of you take notes on your phone or maybe your iPad. Do me a favor and just pull out whatever it is that you have that takes notes. And I want you to write down Today, I want you to write down three names. You ain't got to put the last name, but write down three names that you currently have tension with in that relationship. Three names. Now, be careful, because if you write the person you sit next to, brunch going to be real weird. So be careful on who you write down. Hide it, maybe. But write down three names of three different relationships that you have tension in. Now, here's the thing. It could be mama. Right? It, 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 could be a, it could be father issues. It, it could be a cousin. It could be a sibling. Y'all hear me? It could be friends. It could be somebody that is a lifelong friend and you've walked away. It could be somebody that you haven't talked to in years. It could be somebody that offended you. Let me go deeper. It could be somebody that you've offended, but you refuse to repent. It could be, it could be any. I need you to do me a favor today. I just need you to write those three names down on your iPad, on your phone, uh, whatever it is that contain, whatever it is that you write your situation on. I just need you to write down those three names. And I believe that those three names are three people that God actually wants you to pursue this week. Now, what happens? I know y'all are like, uh-uh, not this one. I need another week. Finish the relationship series and then I'll get to this one. But I, I believe, you know, we, we can't, when it comes to dealing with situations, you can't control the response of the other person. But if you've trusted in Jesus, you 100% can control at least the step toward restoration. You may not be fully restored, but you can, you can certainly make that step. In the passage that is before us, I think, I think Paul is actually going to help, help us with the list. I think Paul is going to help us. Now, what, what we see in today's text is uh, Paul is writing to a, the church at Philippi 
And this church at Philippi, see, everything seems to be going well. In fact, he talks a lot about unity. It seems like a church that is doing well. Paul is actually writing, this is a prison epistle, so he's writing this from prison. But while writing to them, it is so funny that Paul mentions two names. Now, Paul, Paul sometimes he'll mention names <coughs> and he'll give context behind the name, but Paul doesn't give any context. Paul just, he just drops two names. And he says, these two sisters, if you can just give me some water, Tosh, he says, these two sisters that I'm naming in the church at Philippi, actually, thank you, have, actually have beef. They actually have issues. Something happened. Now, here's the thing what the, with the context. We don't, we don't know what the issue is. It, it didn't give it to us. It could be a personal issue. It could be a theological issue. Maybe one of them stole the other one's man. Maybe they, they was at a dinner party and, you know, she heard her, you know, one of them, you know, being hypocritical or constantly. We, we don't know. We don't know what the situation is. But here's what we know, that the situation was so significant that Paul decided to write and put the two names of these two young ladies into Scripture. And when he does, he shows us something very important. I just need you to pay attention to the words. And I want to give you the Greek on it just a little bit so we can have just well-rounded out. It says in verse 2, I entreat Euodia and I entreat Syntyche to agree in the Lord. Now, I need you to pay attention to this word entreat because he doesn't say it one time. He didn't say, I treat Euodia and I treat, uh, uh, and Syntyche. He says, I entreat this one. And then he says it again, I entreat this one. In other words, he is making a real, real significant plea. The Greek word uh, that is used here, the meaning of it for entreat is actually to plead. It's, it's to urge. And so Paul isn't suggesting that these two young ladies get it together. He is pleading with them and he is urging them. And here's why I say right down that list. What Paul is doing to, uh, today is pleading with you to get that situation together. And I love that Paul does this because when he does this, what Paul shows us is the urgency of dealing with the issue head on. Let me say that again. Paul shows us the urgency of dealing with the situation head on. Apparently, the situation was so large that if he just simply wrote their names, everybody in Philippi would have understood their situation because it possibly was a public situation. So when, when Paul does this, the first time I read it, I'm like, Dad, Paul, you're just going to name drop them and throw their situation out there like that? And I'm like, yo, we're going to be reading this for thousands of years, and you're just going to write their stuff out there like that? But I realized Paul is putting them on blast. Actually, the opposite, opposite is happening. Because the situation is so public, he is putting, not on blast, but priority restoration. And he does so, watch this, by not sweeping it under the rug. Now, here's what I know about most of the room. Maybe not all of us, but most of the room, including your boy. Here's what I know. We have become really, really, really desensitized to that situation to the point where we subscribe to avoidance. I don't want to deal with that. I don't want to talk to her. I don't want to talk to him. That situation, I was, I'm offended. I'm broken by it. They've, broke, they've broken trust. They were, I don't, they're not trustworthy anymore. And so in other words, it was so much easier for us to walk away from it. And we walk away from it. We, we subscribe to avoidance because it's exhausting to deal with it. it is that any, I know that's me. Is there anybody else in the room? I'd just rather not talk to you and preserve peace because we think that the path toward peace is avoidance. And the scripture is showing me today the path toward peace is not avoidance. 
path towards peace is not avoidance. Maybe we don't want to deal with the issue because we actually really like the person. And if we deal with the issue and we bring it up, then the person will walk away from us because we're bringing something up and we're ruffling their feathers. And so we, we allow them to disrespect us. We allow them to hurt us. We allow them to walk over us. And we never say anything like it. And can I say this to you? It is not the gospel for you to avoid. Jesus didn't sweep your issue under the rug. He dealt with it. Write this note down. The path toward restoration is addressing it through the painful process of dealing with it. I'm going to say that again because you're writing. The path toward restoration is address it through the painful process of dealing with it. Here's what I found out about avoidance. When you avoid dealing with a certain situation, it typically breeds bitterness. It typically will breed anger. When you avoid a situation, it, it can even go to the point of revenge. And I, I, I know you won't say that, but let's be honest. None of us like to be hurt. And so when we're hurt, we like misery loves company. So what we want to do is we want you to feel, we want you to share the same pain we share. And so because I'm hurt, I got to get you back. And so sometimes that's a subliminal message that we throw out on social media. Sometimes that's telling somebody else. Sometimes, especially in marriage. You know, I did this early on and it was very unhealthy. But if, when Ty would bring something up that, that uh, ruffled my feathers, I needed her to feel it too. So I found out that I got to bring something back up as well. And it took therapy. It, it took us going to biblical counseling to realize, bro, that ain't healthy. That ain't healthy. And it's pride. At the core of it, if I got to bring you down because you brought something up on me, ultimately that is pride. Avoidance is dangerous. And I don't know who I'm talking to. Maybe you're in the room. Maybe you're online. I, I, don't, I don't know who I'm talking to, but I do know that there's a large portion of us that are tapped into what I'm saying to you right now that deeply are in avoidance. When you wrote that list down, some of those people you wrote down, you ain't talked to in a long time. Why? Because we avoid the situation. And it's not God-like. It's not how, it's not how, ooh, think about it this way. When God wanted to deal with sin, now remember I told y'all the relationship between us and God was broken. When God wanted to deal with sin, what if he said, I'm going to avoid him? What if he subscribed to cancel culture? What if, what if God, when he wanted to deal with the situation, what if he looked at your situation and said, I'm going to give him the silent treatment? Because y'all know we do that. I'm going to walk in the room and I'm going to act like they ain't even there. What if God did that to us? But God doesn't. You know what he does? John 3, 16. That he sent his one and only son. It wasn't like God had 10 sons and he was good if he lost one of them and he still had nine. He had one son and he sent him. Why? Because he didn't subscribe to avoidance and sweep your issues under the rug. He dealt with it head on. So Paul is saying, I urge you, I entreat you, I am pleading with you. It is actually what the gospel shows us because at the core of the gospel is, somebody say restoration. That's at the very core of the gospel. The very reason why Jesus came to die and the Bible says with the joy set before him, he endured the cross. The very reason he was willing to get off of his throne, come down to dwell amongst people that he created, get slapped by a hand that he created, get put up on wood that he created, breathe air that he created, ate food that he created. The reason he did that was because he knew that it was going to reconcile you back to God with the joy set before him. What joy? Is there in the brutality of the cross? Can I tell you the joy that's in the cross? Here's the joy that's in the cross. That you and I get restored. Watch this. 
back to Genesis 1 and Genesis 2. Did, did you know that's the goal? See, we're looking at some future. No, the restoration is going back to Adam walking in the cool of the day. When do I get to experience that, B? When I get to heaven, I will have uninterrupted fellowship. I will be able to sit at the throne of my king and worship with uninterrupted fellowship. Remember those three relationships, God and man, man and man, husband and wife. That relationship between God and man is broken, but at the core of the gospel is God not sweeping it under the rug. Somebody look at your name and just say, stop avoiding it. I, I know sometimes you don't, you don't realize you're a prophet. And, and I know sometimes, you know, this is just like a filler moment. But I genuinely mean look at somebody and say, stop avoiding it. Because we have avoided situations to our dismay to the point where we have actually pride ourselves. Girl, I don't talk to her no more. Bro, I'm done with him. And do you realize that God actually puts some people in your life to teach you endurance? When you cut everybody else off, how you learning to be? How, God put some people in your life so that you can learn patience. God put, put some people in your life so that you, you can learn what, what, what it means to actually be in a meaningful relationship. I don't have any relationships in my life that they ain't sprinkled in a little tension. It's, it's always a little bit of tension that's in the relationship. So it's, it's the gospel, y'all. And avoiding is anti the gospel. So in other words, don't call yourself gospel-centered if you're not willing to deal with that situation. Don't, do, do not call yourself a Jesus follower if you're following Jesus, but you don't look like him. Dude, don't, don't, don't call yourself a self-acclaiming, professing believer if you're holding people's offense over their head. What we need is to submit to the gospel. Gospel-centered isn't just showing up on Sunday morning and singing some gospel-centered songs. That's not gospel-centered. Gospel-centered actually has, happens when the rubber meets the road. How do you deal with your brothers and sisters or, or non-believers? How, how do you deal with friends? How do you, how do you deal with siblings? How do, you, how do you deal with mom? How do you, how you deal with your pop? How do you deal with those relationships that, that are covenant relationships? You ain't doing, you can't stop being a sibling. You can't stop being a son. You can't stop being their daughter. So the best thing to do is seek restoration. It is the gospel. Well, Pastor B, what I need is, Jay, my, my inner ear went out. Well, what, what I need is, and if it's my battery, you can come get it. I'll, I'll give it to you. Um, if it's, this is what you need. You need practical tools on how to deal with the situation. Can I give you all some practical tools as they fix in my inner ear here? Can I give you all some practical tools on how to deal with the situation? Here it is. Number one, assess if the situation is even worth fighting over. You know why I got to say this? Because I, I've been in a lot of restoration meetings where I'm trying to help people repair their relationships. And as I'm doing so, I realize when I'm hearing the offense, I'm like, bro, you mad at that? Sis, that, that bothered you? And a lot of times, I'm not shaming you. A lot of times, we get offended because of the closeness of the relationship. So the closer the relationship, the more it hurts. There's some stuff that y'all can say to me that honestly really wouldn't bother me. But if Ty said the same thing, it would destroy me. Why? Because my, my most vulnerable time is when I'm with Ty. So my heart is all the way open. So the people that are closest to you actually can hurt you the most. But those are the ones that you are the most sensitive to. And sometimes we get offended. I had to check myself. Sometimes I'm looking and I'm going, I can't believe Ty said that to me. I'm like, but it, bruh, B, it wasn't even that bad. She was right. And sometimes, y'all, sometimes, sometimes, like, ah, 
Ah, you don't don't like a green bean today, sweet pea. Um, But we we need to pay attention to if I'm really offended or if I'm just sensitive. Can I say that again? We need to pay attention to if we are really offended or if we're just overly sensitive. Some of y'all came to this idea of restoration and you like, man, I, I got to get her together. No, no, no. Some of us just need to get us together. You know why? Because we just don't have thick skin. Let me give you Bible here because some of y'all are like, that's your opinion. Proverbs 19, 11. Good sense makes one slow to anger and it is his glory to overlook an offense. There's something, now I'm not talking about that stuff that deeply wounded you. I'm not talking about when they really messed you over. That's not what I'm talking about. There's just some stuff that happens when you're in a relationship that some of it ain't worth going that deep in. I'm helping somebody. Because some of you holding on to something that's like, yo, you don't even need to hold on. It is to your glory to overlook the offense. Let me give you another scripture. Proverbs 17, 14. The beginning of strife is like letting out water. So quit before the quarrel breaks out. Before this thing gets to a point where we walked away from each other, sometimes I just got to be like, you know what? I ain't like it. You might not have said sorry, but I'm going to let it ride. I'm going to let it go. Now, that's again, I ain't talking to somebody that is abusive to you. I'm not talking to somebody that always does you wrong. No, those, thank you, bro. Wale, you got some muscles, bro. I've been trying to work on mine, man. I'm not talking about those relationships. I'm just talking about the relationships. Thank you. It's working well now. I'm talking about those relationships that y'all know the stuff that you dealt with really ain't that big. So the first, assess if the situation is even worth fighting over. Does it need restoration or do I just need to grow up? Number two, find a peaceful way to talk it through with that person. Now, I know this sounds really simple, but let me just tell y'all, y'all don't know how many people, it goes back to avoidance, y'all don't know how many people would rather just not deal with it, but the gospel-centered thing to do is go to that person. Let me give you Bible, Matthew 18. It gives us the progression of what a relationship looks like. If your brother offends you, what does the Bible say? Go to him. And if you, if you, if he hears you, the Bible then says you've gained a brother. Situation is over. Ain't nobody else got to know about it. We, you hurt me. I told you you hurt me. You repented. We're all good. So that's the second one is find a peaceful way to deal with that person, to go actually to that person. The third is when that person doesn't receive you. Here it is. Get others involved. And again, we don't do this. We don't exhaust all avenues to seek restoration. We, ex- we, we do one thing and we be like, I'm good. But the Bible gives you a progression. So if they don't receive, you know, the rest of Matthew 18 says, bring two or three witnesses to you. And let me pause here and say two or three um, neutral friends. <laughs> like, real, like neutral, you need neutral friends. Because sometimes what we do is we bring our squad to the restoration and it really, it really ain't restoration, it's an ambush. <laughs> Can we talk straight? I got some relationships in my life that I love these people, they'd ride or die, but I know that they wouldn't be good to bring as part of my restoration crew because no matter what I say, they're going to agree with me. Y'all, y'all got friends like that? Tasha's is my, Tasha my ride or die. I've known Tasha since I was 19, Tasha was 14 she, when uh, she met Tasha. And there's just some stuff, if you and I, even if I'm wrong, Tasha's going to be like, I'm going to tell you you're wrong later, but in the presence of everybody else, I'm going to be like, yo, he right. <laughs> y'all, y'all got friends like that too. Come on now. Ride or die. But ride or die isn't good for restoration. Restoration, you need neutral. 
You need somebody that's going to sit back and be like, I love you, and I love you, and you are dead wrong, and you need to say sorry to. That's what you need. He says, bring two or three. I got to say that because I've been a, lot, a part of restorations where I've watched and I'm like, oh man, like y'all just, you just brought your squad and they, y'all, just, y'all just got together in cahoots and y'all wanted to fix this one person. And it's not what the Bible tells me to do, neutral. Now, when it comes to, to bringing friends or sometimes you can bring friends and that's good depending on the situation, but sometimes you need professionals, families that are really broken. You need family. You need a family counselor, counselor. Sometimes you need to tell it to the church and church leadership needs to step into it and try to bring restoration to it. Because what I found out is many of us are skipping restoration because we did one thing. We checked it off the list and we're like, I tried. Nah, bro, you ain't tried. You did step one, go to that person. Did you do step two, tell it to two or three witnesses? Do you know there's step three, tell it to the church? Then there's step four. If he ain't listening or she ain't repenting at all, then treat them like outsiders is what the scripture would say. Why? Because they're, if you lack repentance, you're not behaving like an outsider. All right. I'm going to move on here. Look at what, look, look at, because I also want to normalize the tension. It says, I entreat Euodia and I entreat Syntyche to agree in the Lord. Yes, I ask you also, true companions, to help these women who have, watched this, labored side by side with me in the gospel, together with Clement and the rest of my fellow workers whose names are in the book of life. I, I just need you to pay attention to the fact that these are two godly women. Because I think sometimes we think tension and we'd be like, oh, of course it's tension. You know, they don't know the Lord. But do you know you, you can know the Lord? and actually still experience tension, it doesn't exempt you. Just because you've trusted in Jesus and you came down to the altar, you said, excuse me, 20 times to come down and say, I give my life to the Lord. And you went back and you thought you wouldn't have issues. No, you go back and you still got tension. Because being a believer does not exempt you from relational tension. Look at the words he uses to describe the women in the Lord. Scripture goes on to say, labored side by side with me in the gospel. It goes on to say fellow workers and names in the book of life. In other words, these are Jesus following women. And some of you think it's so abnormal that you're going through because you're like, I gave my life to the Lord and I was promised I wouldn't have any issues. And I just want to, can we normalize it for a second? Whenever you got two sinners coming together, you're going to have issues. When I, and I, even the two becoming one flesh you're going to have issues. Even though, you know the scripture that says iron sharpens iron, you know that's not like cotton sharpening, sharpening cotton? That sparks? Right? That's friction. And that's what relationships really are. Relationships are not just this kumbaya moment. Good relationships know how to stand the test of time and we're going to have issues and you're going to cuss me out, I'm going to cuss you out and we're going to be mad at each other but we're going to get restored because we don't want to be off mission. Let me also say that when it comes to tension, and I'm not talking dysfunctional church or unhealthy, unbiblical church, but do you, you do realize even in the church setting that we're going to have issues? Can I say this? Because many of us are so quick to scream church hurt when some of it is just we got issues and we just got to work it out. Whenever you get a bunch of us, like, do you, like, you a sinner, you a sinner, you a sinner, you a sinner, you, like, all of us are sinners, and so therefore, let me talk to this, you a sinner, you because I know y'all think y'all spirit, you a sinner, you a sinner, you online, you a sinner, 
And the reason, and you ain't come to church today, you are real sin. No, I'm joking. I'm joking. That's joke. It's joke. It's joke. Because when it doesn't, it doesn't matter that you're coming to the place where Jesus is head. We still body. And, and, and body is dysfunctional. Body has sin. Body got funk odor. Body, body, body got B.O. That, that's what body does. And we, we will be restored and we will be cleaned up when he comes back and restores all things. But right now, we just as funky as can be. Because being a Christian won't stop relational tension. I just need to know, is anybody in the room, have you ever gave your life to the Lord and you still got lied on? Okay, there we go. Have you ever get, you gave your life to the Lord and you still, you know, was ready to cuss her out? Oh, y'all really? Okay. Have you ever, have you ever gave your life to the Lord and she talked out of the side of her neck? And you was like, I got to tell her about this. You, you ever been like, I got to check them. This is because we have not normalized. You won't see eye to eye with everybody. You will be offended. You will be hurt. And sometimes people don't intentionally mean to hurt you. And sometimes they do. And yeah, go to them and pray that you can gain a brother. Pray that you can gain a sister. And so we need to normalize relational issues because if we're all sinners and we're all seeking restoration, one day we will be have perfected bodies, but today we don't. Can I show you in scripture how many other people have relational issues? Because I know y'all think it's just us. Let me just give you a few people. Paul had issues with Barnabas over John Mark. By the way, they got restored because in one of Paul's letters, I think it's Romans, but in one of Paul's letters, he actually names the person he had beef with and he says, greet them. Restoration. But they had issues. Let me give you another one. Peter felt a strong relationship pressure from the Christian Jews in the book of Galatians. Do you know Paul had words with Peter over his hypocrisy? Do you know that the Jews and the Hellenist Jews had tension in Acts chapter 6? Do you know 1 Corinthians 1, 1 Corinthians 1 opens up with them arguing? And let me tell you, first, the Corinthian church was messy. They opened up the book arguing. And do you know what they were arguing over? Baptism. Ain't that crazy? They arguing over spiritual matters. And Paul was so deep. Paul's like, man, I'm glad. They are y'all going to baptize. I'm glad I ain't baptized none of y'all. That's what Paul said. They opened up the book of 1 Corinthians by arguing. In fact, somebody came and told on them. The Bible, the Bible goes on to talk about this. It says, this is what Paul says, for it has been reported to me by Cleo's people that there's quarreling among you, my brothers. I'm like, yo, Paul said that like yo, Cleo's people told me that y'all arguing over like religious matters. Because why? It's normal. Do you know you get the whole book of uh, Philemon or Philemon, however you want to say it, you know you get that whole book as part of restoration because there was tension in relationships? A whole book because there was Normalize it. It's, it's okay. Yeah, you hurt me. Yeah, I'm upset about it, but it is not a reason I'm going to walk away from the faith. Why? Because I got to normalize this thing. Being a Christian won't stop the relational tension. I know it sounds like I'm being redundant, but I have to. I have to because I need, I need to pastor those of us who run from any tension. It ain't you'll be you'll be isolated by yourself at home all times, because the moment you walk out your door, you will have you'll have issues. So somebody's gonna make somebody's gonna piss you off. Somebody's gonna talk crazy. Normalize it. Deal with it. Don't sweep it under the rug. Address it and move on. Let, let, let me let me go on. So he says, 
I entreat you, Odia and Syntyche, in the Lord, fellow workers, names in the Bible, uh, labored, uh, names in the book, uh, labored side by side with me in the gospel. Let me just talk about this for a second. He says that these two women labored side by side with me. And most commentators have suggested by Paul saying their issue and how they labored side by side and mentioning them and their issue is really Paul saying that they've got off mission. It's possible that they got off mission. And because you've got off mission, you, you got off mission because there's an irreconcilable difference. And so if nothing else, you and I need to be restored to one another because when we're not restored, it takes us off mission. Do you realize that? I mean, I don't know how you rock or, or how you roll, but I, I can tell you now, personally, I don't do well on mission when the people I'm on mission with, I've offended and I've, never, and I've not got it right. And, you know, that's the other thing about restoration. A lot of us are only thinking about when you wrote those names down, it was all people that offended you. You ain't write down nobody that you've offended and didn't get it right. I know that's the room. I know it's the room. You didn't write nobody that you've offended, even though we've offended people. I personally cannot stand up and preach to people that I've offended that I didn't say, I'm sorry, I didn't mean that. Because tension has a way of throwing us off mission. He said, man, these young ladies labored side by side, not just with me, but with Clement, which mentioning this guy, which we don't even know much about him, but the fact that he mentioned him and didn't give context says he's probably a leader in the church. So these two young ladies didn't just do ministry. They did ministry with the Gospel Globe Charter Paul, and they did ministry with a leader in the church at Philippi named Clement. And so these women were pillars in the faith, and they got off mission because of back and forth, misunderstanding, because of broken relationships. Sometimes, you know, when Ty, Ty and I are thrown off, it throws me off. Sometimes, you know, in the morning, if we argue on a Sunday morning and we sit in an Uber and one's tight, you know, I'm tight up on the, on the window. <laughs> Don't you touch me. And she tied up on the other window and go, you better not do no video on paying it over here. When we're, when we're arguing like that, by the time I get to church and want to do ministry, I'm just off. Anybody else like that? I, I just, maybe it's how the Holy Spirit does me. I can't do ministry when I'm thrown off because of relational tension. And Paul is like, man, these women used to labor side by side with me and Clement in the gospel. But somewhere along the line, they got off. Why? Because they didn't get restored. They didn't get their issues together. And I don't know who it is, man, but you need to fix it. Because, you know, division in the church is real. You know, I don't know if y'all remember when my pastor was up here, Dr. Dr. Mason, a few uh, maybe it's a little bit over a month ago now. Yeah, it was over a month ago now. He was sitting up here, and I don't know if y'all, he, like he kind of was prophetic. He was just walking around, and he, he was talking and praying and even prophesying against division in the church. Because division in the church, nothing breaks a church down quicker than division. And you remember last week when I said sexual sins usually go hand in hand. They're cousins with lying. Division in the church is cousins with gossiping. Y'all know that? Like, most of the division in the church can be tied back to gossip. And some of us don't mean to gossip. And here's the thing about gossip. Sometimes your prayer request can be gossip. Oh, don't, you, don't act like you can't sit in small group and like, let me tell you. Let me tell y'all what I need prayer over. And you lay out a whole situation and all you've done was gossip. God ain't pleased with it. He's not pleased with it. Because what we're doing is we're causing division. You know the scripture says that gossip spreads like gain green? It's dysfunctional. 
I don't know about y'all, man, but I want to be a church that, that seeks unity. The Bible says in Romans chapter 12, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with all people. I just want to be a peacemaker. Do you notice in the scripture, there's some words that he uses. Man, I'm supposed to end. Look at what he says. He says, yes, in verse 3, I ask you also, true companions, watch these words, help these women. Because what he is suggesting to us is the body has a responsibility and a part to play in the restoration of broken relationships. In other words, you should be a peacemaker. I read a book years ago. Called, uh, it was called The Peacemaker. It was by a guy named Ken Sandy. And when I tell you, it messed me up because I realized that the church sometimes isn't full of peacemakers. We're full of hell raisers. And we got brought into the situation and the situation didn't get better. You didn't bring Jesus. You brought mess. And when we bring mess, you can't help others get restored. By him saying, hey, church of Philippi, I need y'all to help these women. He's saying, I know that y'all can get this together because all of y'all got a sense of peacemaking on, your, on, your, on you. And all of us in this room, let me just say, if you know situations in the, in, in the room, or you know, are you doing life with somebody and you know, they, you know they ain't cool with somebody else, and maybe it's outside, maybe it's not a believer, your responsibility is to restore in gentleness. And sometimes that means telling your friend they're wrong. Sometimes that means telling your friend that they need to get it together. So the scripture here is very clear. Euodia and Syntyche need to get that. I, I'm just going to, I'm an optimistic person. I'm just going to use my sanctified imagination. I just assume that they actually did get it together on earth. And if not, we can ask them when they get to heaven what happened. Because Paul told us. Paul told on y'all, so therefore we hope y'all get it. Now, here's what I know. Man, this stuff we're dealing with is only going to be dealt with here. You ain't going to be in heaven arguing. Ain't nobody arguing in them golden streets. Ain't nobody arguing. I told you don't talk to me like that. Nah, they were not. Because y'all know when we clap, that means you just took it to another level. Ain't nobody doing that in heaven. So here's the question. Why can't we seek the restoration now? Yo, B, if I got to deal with you, for eternity? Can we just go ahead and patch up the relationship now? Like, let's just fix it now. Why do we have to wait? And some of y'all are going, uh -uh, I, I, need, I need to be at the throne before we can deal with this. No, no, let, let's at least seek and try right now because it pleases the very heart of God. Can I say this before we end? I, I really do believe that, and I kind of joked about it earlier, but I'm serious. I do believe that a lot of the tension we have in our relationships it's not necessarily because you were, you were not offended. It's because you won't take ownership of maybe a small part. And when you walk into the, re, to the restoration and say, I know you hurt me and I ain't gonna, I'm not going to, you know, I'm going to deal with this. But I also need to say, I repent because I did say this. What that does is it, it disarms the other person. It helps them to understand that you, what if we, what if every relationship in this room, every one of them, what if we all led with repentance toward each other? We wouldn't even have to deal with a lie. Like, I'm sorry. No, you sorry. No, I'm sorry. No, you sorry. No, I'm sorry. And you go back and forth. And the next thing you do, you look, I'm like, what are we, what are we arguing about? And Christians at the very core of what we do is repentance. Before you met Jesus, you had no repentance. After you meet Jesus, you look for ways. When people tell me they're offended, I always say, okay, let me see what, how, I, how I messed up. And sometimes when I'm the one that's actually offended, before I go to that person, I want to, you know what I want to do? I want to do Matthew 7, where Jesus says, take the log out of your eye. 
so then you can see the speck in the other person's eye better. And many of us are walking into restoration with logs. Every head bowed and every eye closed. Listen, my brother, my sister, it really is at the heart of God for you to be restored. It really is. And don't think that you got time. Tomorrow ain't promised to nobody. You know, the Bible says that life, life is like a vapor. It's like a mist. You spray the mist right now, it'll be gone in seconds. But many of us are still stuck in avoidance. And I'm actually not calling an altar call today because I think every single person that's in this room and every single person that's logged on right now, all of us have relational tension. But Lord, help us to be peacemakers. Help us to be people of repentance. Help us to be people that actually use words like, I'm sorry, it was my fault. I was wrong. Please forgive me. I repent. Look, that's, that's the prayer. So Father, I pray for everybody in this room and everybody that's online. I know some of these relationships go deep, Lord. And some of us haven't talked to people in a long time. Lord, repair and restore. It is what you do. So, Lord, some of our situations, I don't want to minimize them. We need, we need your spirit. We need the ghost to work on us. And so, Lord, this week, I really do. I do pray that this week we take at least one step. I don't know what that, maybe that step isn't calling them yet. But maybe that step is just for us to process a little bit more. For us to spend some time praying. Because we've, we've, we've written people off. We've canceled people. So, Lord, forgive us. And Lord, I also pray that you would put people in our lives that would be peacemakers. I love this scripture. Help these women. Or would you put people in our lives that are serious about helping and restoring with all gentleness? Lord, I pray for every broken relationship in this room. This is not hyperbole. I believe that we can live at peace in all of our relationships. If we can just apply just a little bit of what you're telling us in your word today. To normalize tension, not be thrown off by it. To be faithful in repentance. To be serious about going and taking that one step of telling the person that they've offended us. To not be subscribing to avoidance and cancel. Lord, help us as believers to be your body. And I pray for this church as well. The one that's been offended. Maybe something happened. Maybe a situation. Maybe... Maybe an expectation wasn't met. Maybe a fence did actually go forth. Maybe a joke wasn't received well, whatever. Lord, I pray for the hearts of your people to be unified. It's in Christ's name I pray. Amen.